leading us in praise and worship as we sing about uh, that great God. There is no one like him. There is no other hope other than Christ. If we put our hope in anything else in this world, it will fail. It will absolutely fail. Jesus won't fail. He will not fail. Okay, we are continuing our, our series uh, of sermons, Who Am I? And uh, this week we're thinking about um, community. Uh, and uh, as I was a boy being raised uh, in a home, I was raised where being with God's people in community was highly important. I can remember as a boy, it was twice on Sundays, it was midweek meeting a Bible study as well. And then when I became a teenager, uh, it became youth on Saturday nights back then, it was youth, it's going back a few years ago. Uh, and actually, as I got older into youth, we actually had a youth prayer meeting on a Tuesday night. So it was um, quite a bit of community, twice on Sunday, youth on Saturday night, Bible study midweek and a youth prayer meeting on Tuesday nights. And uh, I have no regrets whatsoever for that. People will look at that and think, that's just crazy. I have no regrets whatsoever in, in seeing my life modelled and shaped in that sort of commitment to community. What was modelled to me by my parents was that being with God's people was important and strengthening for me. There was lasting impressions upon my parents as we, as we were encouraged uh, to do that. And actually, I, I attribute uh, God's persevering grace in my life by um, coming, coming through that, by being vitally connected uh, to His community of people. That is God's means of enabling us to persevere by being connected with God's people on a regular basis. That's how God enables us to persevere in the faith. So as we think about that community today and think about what it is to not be alone and be in community with other people, uh, let's go to Acts chapter 2, uh, 42 and 47, as we read and think about this uh, early community of believers in the church. Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Now, Father, we uh, come before you now and ask and pray that uh, your Spirit would come and just uh, breathe upon this Word. Uh, Lord, we believe that the Bible is a living, breathing Word, that your Spirit comes and brings life to this Word. This is not just ink on pages. This is the breath of God speaking to us. So, God, I pray today that we would... Sit, listen, understand, receive and obey with great joy and great delight as you lift our hearts to see Christ and all that he's done for us and achieved for us, especially in community, especially in God's people coming together. Please lift our hearts now, I pray, Holy Spirit to see the vitalness of this, I ask. And Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have, we've been building over the last few weeks foundations 
of who we are and what we are here for on this earth. Uh, We are created by God to have a close personal relationship with Him as eternal spiritual beings. Uh, We learned the other week, our soul will never cease to exist. We are all eternal beings. The body will die, but the soul within us will live forever. Uh, What am I here for? I am this eternal spiritual being and I'm created to shine and reflect the beauty of God's holiness, His glory out through every aspect of our lives. That is my purpose in life, to live for the glory of God. With all my being, I'm to radiate the glory of God out through my life. My highest joy and my highest satisfaction comes in glorifying God. That is the only life to live, to truly experience life and the highest joy that God gives through living for His glory. Now, so far we've been covering this really, I guess, as individuals, created by God in His image. We sort of looked at more in an individual perspective, which then leads us to the next question here. Well, then what's my connection to other people here that are around about me? Today, there's probably 70-odd people here. I'm not here on my own. I'm here with other people. In a sense, I'm an individual, but I don't want to be alone. I'm an individual, I don't want to be alone. God hasn't created us to be alone, to be islands as it were. We are created for community. We are created to be in relationship with God first, that's our first connection, and then with each other outside of that. It starts with our vertical relationship with God and then it goes horizontally to everybody that we are with. In being made in the image of God, it's really important that we understand that God is a relational God. He is. From the the Bible, we understand that God is a triune God. We might refer to that as the Trinity. God is perfectly one, but He exists as three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each is fully God. Each are distinct but they are one. Now, we don't fully grasp that or comprehend that, but that's what it is. And God has always existed like that, with no beginning and with no end. God is eternal. God has existed in this eternal, perfect community, relationally. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when God created Adam... He was the only human being on the planet at that time. And God said in Genesis 2.18, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. God has created us to be relational, communal beings. Our own life experiences tells us that, doesn't it? It really does. We gather in communities. The basic foundational community is the family. That is the foundational community unit of society and of culture. It's family. It's mum, dad and children. And from there, we actually uh, attach ourselves to larger communities as we expand out from the family. We could be involved in a sporting community, a service community. It could be a hobby community, woodworking or metalworking or things like that. Uh, Men's sheds, that's another form of community. It could be a musical community. People gather together around music. And many, many other types of communities. We gather together around a common interest and we form a community in that interest. And what do we get from that as we gather in communities? We get inclusion. We get support. 
We get encouragement. We actually get happiness. We get meaning. We get a place to belong in community, a place to actually help others and find satisfaction and meaning in that. All these multiple benefits and blessings, as it were, flow out of being in community because that is how God has designed us to be in community. But having said all that about community there, we actually have a problem in our society today when it comes to that. Despite all these communities that are around about us, and I, you could probably go to the website and Shep and find a whole stack on the COGS website and find a whole stack of communities there. Despite all of these communities, as we said a couple of weeks ago, we have a loneliness crisis on our hands today and it's not going away, it's actually increasing at Charles Sturt University conducted a study in 2018, so less than 12 months ago, on loneliness. They asked a whole range of questions. And here's just a handful of the findings they came with at, um, as they analysed all the data from this study. It says there that one in four Australians are lonely. 25% of Australians are feeling lonely. Lonely Australians... Uh, sorry, uh, one in four Australians experiences high levels of social interaction anxiety. They get anxious when it comes to social type gatherings. Uh, Lonely Australians have significantly worse mental and physical health is another thing they found in this study of loneliness. Get this, younger Australians report significantly more social interaction anxiety than older Australians. So young people are suffering more with loneliness than what older people are. And they went on to find there that actually there's been a 30% increase in teenagers becoming lonely in Australia over the last decade. Loneliness is increasing. It's actually the leading health crisis now today in Australia, particularly for mental health, is loneliness. This loneliness, though, comes even despite being a more connected community through modern communications. We've actually never had it so easy to connect with people. We all carry a device, something like this. We can pick it up, and if we choose to, I can ring my cousin who lives about 14,000 kilometres away in Seattle. In an instant, I just dial his number, or I can hit speed dial if I want to, and I'm connected to somebody 14,000 kilometres away and I'm able to talk to him. But for all that easy connectivity, loneliness is the fastest growing epidemic crisis today in Australia. You see, we may have community, but it's in a broken, fractured form. The basic unity of, the basic unit of community, family, has a disturbing picture of breakdown in our own societies today. Broken homes with separated parents continue to increase and abound around about us. And we see the pain and the trauma of that every day. We see that through the children who are the biggest losers in those situations. They are the pawns caught in the middle of a chess game at times over breakdown in family. They come away because they're caught up in the bitterness and the jealousy of the struggle of these broken communities, broken families. We also see communities break down along racial tensions. You've only got to turn the TV on at night and you see what's happening. 
It's wars between nations, it's wars between states, it's wars between, uh, between tribes, a whole different set of ways of coming together along racial lines. There is community breakdown there. And often it is they hate each other just because they do things differently or think differently. That difference is enough. That difference is enough at times for people to pull guns out and start shooting each other. Community has broken down there. Definitely. All this community uh, brokenness stems from our original rejection of God. We refuse to live as God's creations. We refuse to live our lives to reflect the beauty of God's holiness, his glory out through our lives. We choose to live our own way and do our own thing and not God's way. Life becomes all about me. And if I'm in a community and somebody within that community crosses my agenda or my sort of set goals or expectations, I deal with it. How do I deal with it? I'll either get rid of them, I'll try and white ant them, I'll try and force them out of the community, or I'll move to another community to keep my agenda on track. That's what happens. If I'm in a club, another voice rises up to sort of you know, lead the club in a different direction, I'll protest about what they're doing because, you know, this is not going the way I want it to go. And if I don't do any good there, I pick up my bat and my ball and I move on to another community and go somewhere else. And often when I leave like that, if it's under that way, it can often be with bitterness or anger or resentment towards that community that how dare they could just reject me like that and not listen to me. And what often wins out in those sort of communities is the strongest, most powerful voice or personality. Everybody has experienced community brokenness. Whether it be family community that's broken down or all other types of community that's broken down as well. We might try and patch things up. We might try to have a reconciliation meeting. But at best, we seem to only be able to put band-aids on these things and not get deep healing that actually uh, pulls these communities back together again. God never designed us for community breakdown. That wasn't the original design of God and the often resulting loneliness that comes from that. We've actually walked away from God. We've walked away from his design for us and we've taken ourselves down this broken path that allows community to break down and that we have all the resulting dramas today that fall out from that. The really glorious good news about that is this, that God hasn't left us in that broken down state. We're not left there. God has sent his son to come and to take all that brokenness upon ourselves and to pay its full price of death at the cross so the community could be restored, so that we can be forgiven and we can be transformed into a new life and no longer live a life marked by this brokenness. And from that point, Jesus calls us into a new community, a glorious community. Now, that's what we want to spend a little bit of time thinking about this community that God calls us into, this gospel community that Jesus is forming and lovingly calls us into to be included in. And there's no better place than the Bible to see that community. And there's no better place to see it modelled than in the early church in the book of Acts, because we see there what God is doing. And from our passage here in Acts chapter 2, we see a glorious picture of a community of people who are radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a new community that is now filled with love for God and filled with love for each other. 
This is a community that the Holy Spirit gives us a snapshot of, just in a few small verses here, but it was a community that was alive and it was a community that was contagious and attractive. This is the community that God is building. So as we think about this community here, this gospel community, we look at Acts 2.41, which is one verse prior to what we read. It helps us understand what was taking place here. Peter has just finished his opening sermon on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit has come down and filled the believers with the power of God. 3,000 people are saved on that day. Now, that would be amazing. They've been battling and scraping and scrapping for the last three years, hardly sort of feeling like they're getting anywhere. Jesus has died. He's risen again three days later. He's been with them for 40 days of the resurrection. And now the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Peter gets up and preaches, and 3,000 people are saved. That is fantastic. I would love to see that here in Shepparton, the greater Shepparton region. 3,000 people discovering who Jesus Christ is, the King of the universe, who has died on a cross to rescue us and to include us into his community. Let's move on. The church is born. And then Luke records for us the nature of this spirit-born church here in verse 42. Have a look at it with me. And it says there, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Really simple verse, but profound, powerful. It gives us a picture of this community. And the first thing I want us to see there is the Holy Spirit helped them to produce in this community is devotion. Devotion. See it there? It says they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. This is a very, very strong word. The word devoted picks up the idea here of steadfast, strong, persevering and constant action. It's a continuous, single-minded focus that they would not be drawn away from. They were devoted. Now you might say, what's devoted? What's it look like? Possibly it could look a bit like this. I'll use an Apple iPhone. It's a good phone. I reckon it works really, really well for me. I've had, that's my second one. You may call me a fan of Apple because I have that phone. But there's the next level of fan of Apple. This level is this. These people will hear about a brand new model of Apple iPhone coming out. And you know what they'll do? They'll go down to the Apple store, maybe five or six days or a week before the Apple phone arrives, and they will camp on the footpath in a line so they can be the first person to hold this brand new Apple iPhone in their hands. They will camp out there in the rain, the hail, the sunshine, and they will camp out there with people walking past, probably making some funny remarks about these crazy people camping out here trying to get their hands on an iPhone. But they're not worried about that. They couldn't care less what people think about them. They just want to get their hands on launch day. That Apple iPhone is in their hands. They're not going to be moved. They're committed come hell or high water. They just want to get this thing in their hands and push that button and see the screen light up. What are they? They are devoted. They are single-minded. 
nothing moves them. Nothing shifts them from the focus they have in mind. They are devoted to getting this Apple iPhone in their hands. This is the early church. That's what that word means. They are devoted. They are single-minded, focused on who Jesus Christ is. Nothing will shift them. This is what life is about for them. So what were they devoted to? Let's have a look at that because Luke tells us what they're devoted to. First, he says there, they're devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. In other words, they were devoted to being taught the gospel. Today, for us, we are devoted to hearing God's word out of the gospel, out of the Bible, as the Spirit brings life to it. They were fixed on it. It was the highest priority for them. They want to hear about the gospel. They want to hear about Jesus Christ. They are absolutely focused on the truth. They are steadfast in this. They will not be shifted. They are devoted to the apostles' teaching. They want to hear the gospel. Consistently, they make it a priority. I want to hear. I want this truth to come into me. I want the Holy Spirit to unveil this truth so it goes deep into my heart so it changes me. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. What else are they devoted to? The next thing it tells us there is this. Fellowship. Fellowship. They are focused and single-minded about fellowship. What does this fellowship mean here? And we look at this word in that passage. It picks up this, this idea of a deep bond of close relationship. Close relationship. It's like a common unity of participation and sharing. It's a bit like a, I guess, a, a healthy functioning family as we spoke about before, about the dysfunction of many families, there's also healthy functioning families. And when it's like that, when there's a healthy functioning family, there is a community there that has this amazing, incredible, common bond of closeness in a family. When you're in trouble, you can always count on your family to help you get out of trouble. If your car's broken down, you can ring up somebody in your family and they'll come pick you up. They'll come help you out. I know sometimes uh, I've broken down on our uh, truck, taking fruit to the cannery. I ring up Pete, my brother. Yep, and one time we actually drove around with a tractor and we towed the truck all the way back to home with a tractor to get it back so we could repair it. You can ring family. Why? Because they've got this common, close bond of relationship and they'll help you out. This is the fellowship here that they were committed to and devoted to. They were devoted to this common bond of closeness. They share this deep common bond of Christ and they actually saw each other as family. That's where you get this idea of brothers and sisters in Christ. They were family. So your problem becomes my problem because we share life together. We are devoted to fellowship. Your need in life is now my need in life. What's happening in your life is what I know about and I can help you through that area of life. They did it together. Look in verse 44 and 45 as we see a picture of that. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. There's always a bit of confusion about that. Should we go and sell everything in that verse? No. No, it's not telling us that at all. 
if there's need, and some people may have had excess in their life, they would sell that and help out each other because they were together in fellowship, common, close, bonded unity. This was the fellowship that they had. They lived with each other in the sense they shared all of life, not so much under the same roof, but they shared all of life's challenges and struggles together and also shared life's highs together in Christ as well. They were a fellowship living in close, bonded community. The next thing there that that we were told they were devoted to was they were devoted to the breaking of bread in verse 42. Uh, We take that to mean uh, the remembering of the Lord's death. They broke bread and they drank the cup uh, regularly as remembrance of Jesus' death for their sins. This community was devoted to the cross. They did not shy away from the message of the cross, no matter how silly it may seem in the eyes of their friends around about them. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. They were devoted to the cross. They knew that at the cross, their sin was dealt with. They were not going to leave the cross out of their lives. They would hold the cross up high for the glory of God. Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. They knew the power of the message of the cross, that God would use that to draw people to himself. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. Fourthly, last thing in that passage we see there is also they were devoted to prayer as a community. Single-minded, focused on gathering together in prayer. And I think they truly captured something here which we need to see. They met God as a community in prayer. As a community of people, they met God in prayer. The early church made prayer a non-negotiable on their to-do list. They were devoted to it. Devoted. These guys pulled out all stops and made every effort to get together in prayer. Even when their week had been impossibly busy, they were still utterly determined to get to prayer together. They got around each other and reminded each other, hey, we're praying, don't forget. Remember what Jesus said, that he's now made this way possible for us at the cross and we have open access to the Father. Come on, guys, let's get together and pray. They were devoted to this. They saw the importance of it. They saw the glory of Christ. They saw their own selves grow as they got together in prayer. A community of disciples devoted to Jesus in prayer. It's a picture of a glorious community. It's a picture of a wonderful community that is one that is genuinely transformed by the gospel. They have got who Christ is and they're allowing that to go deep into their hearts and to change them and transform them uh, through his love that is now shed abroad in their hearts. They are genuinely loving and serving each other in the power of the Holy Spirit. These people love Jesus They love each other and they love the community that they are in. And this is the community that Jesus has formed and is still forming today. Here's the blessings then that that actually flow out of this community living in this particular land. It's in verses 46 and 47 here we see that. It says this, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. 
and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And that's special, really special. The result of this spirit-filled community centred on Jesus Christ is gladness and generosity. As they devoted themselves to these things, filled with God's spirit to do that, the result was gladness and generosity. Glad to be together, glad in Christ, glad about life, glad about this community they were in, but generous as well. Everybody shared whatever needs were going around, so nobody went without. It was generosity flowing out of this community, committed to Christ and transformed by the gospel. And it doesn't stop there. God used that for people to be saved. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's a product of this community being shaped by the gospel and allowing it to be transformed in their hearts and lives by the Holy Spirit. If you're a visitor here for the first time, we are glad you're here because we want to introduce you to Jesus who makes that community possible because that is the community that he's building. It's not a pipe dream. It's true. As we commit our lives to Christ... That community happens. And if you've got any questions about Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. Please come and see me after the service. I'd love to help you meet Jesus and answer some of those questions. This is the community of Jesus Christ. This is what he's forming. The early church was devoted to Jesus and devoted to one another. They let nothing stop them from getting together in community. Sadly though, Sometimes I don't think we see the community, ourselves that is, that Jesus is forming the way Jesus does in our Western culture. Sometimes we don't view it the same way we even see it in the scriptures there like that. In our Western culture where we live today in Australia, uh, we live with a very individualistic and consumer-driven mentality. And when I say individualistic, I mean this. Me, the individual is more important than the community I'm a part of. And what that means is I'll make decisions more based around me than around the community that I might be a part of. I'm bigger than the community. I'm more important than the community myself. That's a product of the Western culture we live in today. It's all about the individual. We don't think in a communal way in our Western thought. If you go to Middle Eastern countries or Asian countries, they are massive on community. You go to Western culture countries, very little small on community. It's more about the individual. And when I say consumer mentality, I mean this. That's also a product of the Western culture. With a, with a consumer mentality, I approach the community for more for what I can get out of that community rather than what I can give to that community. Our Western culture mentality of consumerism is what's in it for me. What can I get out of this? Not what can I contribute to this community? What can I bring to this community? How can I help this community? That's not the Western culture way of thinking. And sadly, sadly, we actually sometimes bring that type of thinking into the church community at times. I'm more important than the community as a whole. We can bring that into the church community. Or... What can I get out of this community for me? What can they give to me out of this community? 
That's worldly thinking that doesn't have Jesus in the centre if we approach a church community about like that. What's in it for me? We in our Western culture often can see church or gospel community as an optional extra for our lives. It can be like that. Take it or leave it. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Sometimes people can step out of gospel gospel community uh, for weeks at a time and it doesn't seem to bother them. They don't feel disturbed or they don't feel like they've missed anything. You don't see a devotion there for gospel fellowship evident in their lives because they've stepped out for weeks and weeks and weeks and it's like, that's all right. It's optional. You, you may look at this passage as well and say, well, I think they're a bit overboard. It's a bit overboard. It's a bit overdone. Well, hang on. These guys had nothing else to do in Jerusalem back in those days. Of course they had all that sort of time to get together. It's any wonder they had nothing else. Sure, they were, they were just trying to fill up their diary. Times have moved on. We are so busy now. If I could just get once a fortnight, that might be enough. It's no different back then what it is today. They were busy people just like us. You might look at the community and say, hey, I've had a lot of hurts in the community. I can see all sorts of problems with it. I can pick any number of holes in the church community. Sure you can. You know why? Because I'm part of it. And I bring my faults. Have a guess what? You're part of it too and you bring your faults. That's why it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect here on earth. It's in transformation and it will be perfect one day but it's not going to be perfect now. Some of you may have a really horrible experience at church as well. And I'm sure you have had. And I'm, I'm aware of some people that have. And I'm truly sorry if you've had a shocking experience at church where maybe you've been uh, mentally or physically or even sexually abused as we've seen through this child sex royal commission going on. I'm really sorry if that's happened to you. But I would plead with you, don't give up on the church because of a bad experience. By God's grace, see it's the community that God has called, imperfect as it is, to be the place where you'll find strength and help and encouragement. Todd, I know why you're talking up the church. You just want to see the numbers go up. You just want to see the graph sort of just keep climbing. You want to feel good about yourself when you go back and say, oh, a few more this week, a few more this week. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. I talk about the church, I talk about the community because Jesus died for the church. The church is his bride. He spilled his blood for the church. It's his people. It's his place of bringing people together to grow. It's a body of redeemed people who, when devoted to it, will grow in Christ in it. It's vital.
It's a place where we share in our struggles and our pains. It's a place where we have loving brothers and sisters, family in Christ come alongside us with prayer and support to share our journey. That's what the community's there for. That's why God has made it. It's a place of fellowship. And when somebody's missing from the family, it hurts. It does. Two or three families are away today. I come there and I feel a bit of hurt by that. Not because it's some empty seats. Part of the family's not here. That hurts to some extent. We, our daughter Brianna shifted to Brisbane this year. We sit her in the middle table and there's one chair missing. It's no different in the family here. It hurts when people are away. And when people are away for weeks, you think, what's going on in their life? And you want to reach out. Because God created the family for a place of encouragement and growth in grace. And when we are together, it's a rejoicing time as we commit ourselves and devote ourselves to him. It's a place of encouragement. This is the community that he's building. I've visited churches that get this gospel community. The persecuted church continually blows me away. In Tajikistan two years ago, and I visited four different churches there. And despite, despite their everyday challenges that we face, they face, they've got busy lives as well, but they've got the ongoing problem of secret police watching what they're doing. Despite all of that, which are plenty of um, oppositions or things to stop them getting together, these people love getting together. They will risk any number of things to get together as community. They are gearing their whole day to get together that afternoon as a community of believers. And when they get together, they are glad. They are filled with joy. One service I sat in, I I nearly cried with joy just to see what God was doing in their hearts and lives. Because they got community. They got the gospel. They got what the Spirit was doing in their hearts and lives to bring them together as a community. It was joyful crying. I've been at church services here at home and I've seen amazing devotion to Jesus and his community. It doesn't have to be overseas. I've seen people and I've witnessed people coming to church riddled with cancer. Riddled with cancer. These people had weeks to live. Some of these people were only weeks from dying. These people knew the strength of being with Jesus and his people. So they came despite the fact that they were dying. One was my own father. Vivid memories. Sitting in a reclining chair, weak, pale, gaunt, but he wanted to be with community. Of course, that's hard for us to see, but God powerfully 
uses that to see the gospel go deep in our hearts and lives. This is the power of the community that Jesus is bringing together. Devotion to it. What makes this possible? What makes this community possible? Because it can't be done our own strength. We just can't gather with, with some sort of man-made, fabricated reason that this is what will weld us together. What makes this possible? We read about it in Hebrews early in, verse, in, in chapter 13. Here it is in verses 11 and 12 for us. For the bodies of these animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sins are burned outside the camp. So, Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. You might think, what is going on there? There's a bit of Old Testament stuff happening there. But there's a principle that's coming through this. What Jesus is doing there makes the community possible. What's he done? See where it says there that Jesus goes outside the gate? Jesus also suffered outside the gate. This means that Jesus has gone alone so that we never have to go alone. He suffers outside the community. What is that community? That community is God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is willing to break that community because he's bearing our sin to break this perfect community that has existed forever. He suffers outside the gate. He breaks out of that community for a time to bear our sins, to give us forgiveness so that we can now be brought into that community. That's what makes that community possible today because he went outside the gate. He went alone so we never have to go alone. That's what makes it possible. Let me close with this. Do you want to be a part of that community? Maybe you've never been a part of that community. Jesus calls you today. Come. Come to this community. Maybe you're a believer and you're thinking here, I haven't got that devotion. This gospel community really hasn't been high on my agenda. Maybe I have been, take it or leave it. Maybe I will, maybe I won't this week. You know, I've been pretty casual about the whole thing. I've got good news for you. I've got really good news for you. You know what Jesus says? Jump in. Jesus welcomes you to jump in. We welcome you to jump in. Get connected. Make Sunday gatherings not negotiable. Make connect and grow groups not negotiable. Make corporate prayer meetings not negotiable. That's what the early church did. And they grew in gladness and generous hearts. And the Lord added to the number day by day. Put a plan in place. It won't happen on its own. You won't wake up on the next morning and say, yep, I'm going to go to the prayer meeting. Put a plan in place. Write it on the diary in your fridge door. Corporate prayer, 5pm. Connection Grow Group, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. 
Make it happen. And when you go, don't be a consumer. Don't tell yourself, well, what's in it for me? What can I contribute? What can I do to help enhance this community? What can I help do to actually see this community grow? What can I contribute? Devoted. I can tell you about these people in Acts chapter 2. No regrets. No regrets. And I can tell you about today in Shepherd in 2019 with devotion. No regrets. Let's pray. Father, today I ask and pray that you would uh, come and just uh, stir in our hearts again the glory of the gospel and how it works in and through our lives to what Christ has done and calls us into community. Lord, you never, ever created us to be alone. You created us to be in community. And as imperfect as this community is, with all of its faults and its dramas that I bring to it, it's still the most glorious community on this earth. God, today I pray, let your spirit work the truths of the gospel deep into our hearts that we would re-engage in this community. We would put away all these false excuses we've put up and this how we've allowed busyness to creep into our lives and we've just pushed this thing down and down and down and down on the pecking order. Reignite us, I pray, Lord, that the gospel would grow deep and strong in us and we would have the same response that these people had in Acts chapter 2 with glad and generous hearts. And that, Lord, you would add to the church just as you added it back then, daily those who were being saved. So this community would grow in the joy and the wonder of who Jesus is. Please, Lord, please do that for us today, I pray. And Lord, for those who have struggled, for those, Lord, who have had a really shocking community experience in the past, I pray, God, please minister the gospel to them to heal their hurts as best that can be done in their current circumstances and help them again to see that this is the community you've called us to be into. Lord, this I ask and this I now pray in Jesus' name. Amen.